Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, today is uh, June 21st, 2023, Wednesday. Um, we've got another episode of the Tell Me About Your Tech Job podcast for the summer 2023 SIU Information Technology 350 course. And today I have uh, uh, one student joining us, David, um, and I've got uh, just audio today, um, a former IST student, a graduate, um, you know, kind of a, a, a cool guy that that I got to meet while he was studying here at SIU, graduated in 2017, um, Cameron Barker. And um, it's cool. Cameron is uh, the younger brother of, of two brothers who went through our program, Callan being the older. And I've known probably three or four um, sets of brothers who have gone through our program, getting to know the older one and then getting to know the younger one. In one case, the younger one started first and the older one started after. Um, so it's it's cool seeing that, um, you know, this the Saluki experience uh, kind of between, you know, in, in a family, um, brothers, uh, family members doing the same thing. I've also seen graduates um, of our program that 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 became romantically involved during school and get married um and work in technology um from and and their 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 marriage or their their uh what i say romance maybe started in at siu um so uh enough about that let's talk about cameron cameron tell us a little bit about yourself where are you from and um what do you like to do for fun hey uh name's cameron barker i uh, am currently a cloud engineer like Tom said, I went to Carbondale IST with a networking and security track. Um, free time, I've you know got a home server, Plex, play games. Um, you know, kind kind of the default uh, IT guy type of type of hobby. So okay. uh, I also boat a lot. Uh, I'm in. I am from Shelbyville, Illinois, and we have a great lake here. So that's pretty much all I've been doing this summer is boating. Okay, so tell me what kind of boating, because I do a little boating myself. Uh, pontoon boat. We've got a 24-foot pontoon boat, um, and really we just hang out in coves and don't do much else. <laughs> okay, well, that's fun too. I mean, that's a great time. We've got a pontoon boat, my, my in-laws do, that we spend time out on, and then we've got a couple small sailboats that my boys have uh, kind of been working to and partially taught and learning to, to sail. Um, over the summers the last few years so yeah i like being on the lake too um so have you always i mean we talked about your brother being a, a grad have you always been interested in technology yeah uh back in high school i actually took every single kind of technology class we had you know web design yearbook even that you know i was using a lot of photoshop and that sort of thing so i actually ran out of uh, IT classes, and I was able to take independent study. And part of my independent study was actually helping teachers uh, with computer issues in their classrooms. So uh, during that time, I'd just be sent out and say, hey, someone's having an issue, and I'd be able to help them. So yeah, pretty much uh, always been in my blood. That's pretty cool, because just, um, just last week, we had Logan on, and uh, he told us, uh, basically, the same thing. He exhausted all the classes and he was picked to do an internship and he job shadowed the 
the the district's um, IT uh, professional. And you know that's a tremendous opportunity. And and one thing I like to ask about, and especially like you know people here um, within this kind of realm of of students who we talk to and grads who we talk to, is about their high school because I like hearing what was available because you get some classes, um, you know, some students that have like, you know, an intro to computers and that's their high school. That's their high school tech, um, you know, curriculum. And, and then others have, like you said, web pages and things like the yearbook they can do. Um, and then full others. I mean, I've heard of schools with Cisco curriculum in the high school. So there's a wide range of what's available. I like to know kind of what people came into sort of the, the college um, career educational path with. Um, so you had some schooling in, and hey, Tyson, what's up? Um, you had some stuff that you learned in technology. Uh, was your brother getting into tech at, at this? And uh, Yeah, yeah, he was He was just the same. We we played games together when we were younger. He actually, uh, funny story, he deleted System 32 on our Windows 95 PC back in the day. So something okay. to give him a hard time about. Okay. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> he took as many tech classes as he could as well. And now they actually have a fantastic program. They now have a uh, like three levels of programming classes, I want to say. That's so cool. I kind of missed out on all of those, but um, I'm glad that, you know, the school I went to now offers that. That's cool. And that's what Shelbyville High School? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, so did you start out immediately, immediately out of high school into to SIU, um, or, or I guess I, before, before I forget, did you have any um, jobs during high school, IT, non-IT? Uh, Non-IT, I worked for the local movie theater, but I did have to, you know, I, I was the IT guy for it, and for I still am, theater. actually. Ever since I've moved back, I've helped at the local theater as a volunteer position, so I get some free popcorn and sodas, but... Um, and get to see every movie you want. Yeah, yeah, they... Uh, uh, they have a Linux version. It's called a Doremi, a distro called, or no, wait, wait, uh, Dobe, Dobe Linux. It's like D-O-L-B-Y, you know, the Dobe surround. Mm -hmm. It's like, a, it's its own Linux version. So that's kind of fun to look at and uh, mess around with because it's, it has almost no documentation out in the <laughs> wild. I believe that. And, and I can, I can kind of relate when I, when I was delivering pizzas at one of the local places here in Carbondale, when I was like 19 years old, they knew that I had worked in a computer repair store. And so I was tasked, you know, like in between delivery runs sometimes to check what was wrong with this printer or something like that. You know, you kind of end up being that default go-to person doing the tech stuff, but still making the minimum wage paycheck. Yes, exactly. Um, but, but, uh, but, but pretty neat that you're able to still do that um, as a, as a volunteer. And I'm sure that's extremely appreciated. So what did you do um, after high school? Did you go directly into uh, at SIU or, or community college first? Uh, straight to Carbondale. I was actually okay. torn between, uh, I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to go in IST or CS. Uh, so I was actually undeclared for the first two days and then i um, and then i chose ist pretty quick um but yeah straight to carbondale okay um so you became a ist student and this would have been 2012-13 uh 
Um, what kind of um, experience did you have here? You worked for uh, campus IT, correct? Yeah, so I was able to get on. I was actually able to move into my dorm two weeks early for uh, ResNet. It, I don't think it happens anymore mm -hmm. um, or not as big as it used to be. We used to have a lot more security in place, and it was kind of difficult for students to install and make sure that they were compliant so they could join the campus Wi-Fi. Um, so I did two weeks uh, of ResNet as a... I don't, I don't know, like a temp job. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, uh, Kishore, uh, the head manager, the head manager of network engineering at that time was doing interviews for new students. And uh, I was able to interview and told him, I know nothing. I told him straight away, I know nothing. I am brand new. You know, I haven't even started school yet. This is before school even starts. And uh, he liked my honesty and he took me on and uh, I joined the, uh, it wasn't the official moniker, but uh, the wired team. So everything to do with the wired network of Carbondale. And, and I remember, um, I remember that process with ResNet. ResNet used to be a, uh, a pretty big deal when it was ramping up to start, because like you said, you said, you said they used to have a lot of security um, for the residence halls. And I'd say they probably still have a lot of security. It's just more um, invisible to the yes. users. So when you guys would would bring on um, the ResNet, you would go there and students who were, um, who, who were uh, coming in to live in the residence halls, you had to help them make sure that uh, they had the correct um, kind of helper app or little. Um, yeah, yeah. Network uh, access tool, next network access control app that would grant access if 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 they, um, it was it was NAC right? It was network admission control where yes yes you you Cisco product and and they the student wouldn't get full blown access to the ResNet where they'd get internet and be able to do whatever the heck they wanted until uh, the the Cisco controller system made sure that they had all their patches and they didn't have any viruses, right? And they made yeah. sure they had a couple other things. Like e even like having um, like BitTorrent, you couldn't run BitTorrent or it'd kill your connection immediately. So even if you weren't using it for, you know, nefarious purposes for pirating or that sort of thing, mm -hmm. uh, it'd kill your connection. It was, uh, it was very rough on many students to like to get their computers connected. They didn't understand the checklist that, you know, they had to go through. Right. And so you may have a student who's had this laptop that is their, you know, their LimeWire or whatever type of bit to LimeWire. Is that too old? Uh, yeah, I think LimeWire was going away at that point. Okay. But. So, so whatever they might've had on there that was, you know, junking up their computer with all sorts of, you know, downloaded copyrighted materials and, and some of it being sketchy malware pieces disguised as songs or games or software. And, and you had to help them kind of clean it up before they could get access. And so um, I can only imagine, you know, when you think about what a college student's computer might <laughs> look like um, and, and having to fix it and make it up to the standards of security so they could join. So, so you guys did this, it happened every, um, every 
fall semester when students were moving in, we we saw a lot of our students um, brought in to to be helpers with this ResNet project. Yeah, so it was, it was a joint effort across network engineering and Saluki Tech. So we had, I want to say, we had about forty people um, that were there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, different shifts, of course, but it was a huge undertaking. There'd be lines out the door waiting to be, you know, waiting for help. Yep. And now things are a little smoother. That's not quite as that's not required. They, they do things a yes. little different. Um, so, so you get into salute um, to the ResNet and then does that turn into a student job your first yeah. semester? Yeah. So I, uh, I don't know. My, my rates were really good. I was able to get people in and out. Um, I was, they, they were, they would fill out a survey afterwards and I had really good survey results and, uh, yeah, I put my name in the hat for an interview and everyone that did got an interview. And, uh, I was one of the, I want to say four people hired to network engineering and then, you know, other people got hired onto Saluki tech, that sort of thing straight from ResNet. And so I know a little bit about the, the kind of hiring at the different, um, OIT positions and, and, and the, the incoming freshman who knows technology and is, uh, teachable and, and seems to be personable and motivated is like a, uh, a prized gem, you know, because these OIT folks, um, are going to hopefully have in that, in that type of person, somebody who works as a student reliably for four years, um, if all goes well, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the dream, I think, for a lot of the OIT supervisors is to get a, a young student who um, wants to learn is studying something related and, and, and have them stay with them for four years. Uh, did you end up doing that? Yes, yes, I stayed, uh, worked at Network Engineering for four years. I was, uh, I actually worked across three different teams uh, there. And yeah, like I said, uh, honesty really got me the job. I said, I didn't know anything. Um, kind of a funny story when I was going to be leaving uh, network engineering, when I was getting close to my graduation, they had me sit in on, on the interviews for who was going to take my position. And uh, the amount of people that said, we, we would ask, what's your networking knowledge? One through 10. And the amount of people that said, oh, seven. And they couldn't answer, you know, <laughs> what's dns what's dhcp what's then they would have no idea so we the people that answered honestly were way better in our eyes of you know we understand where you're at we uh can teach you how we want that sort of thing in you know in network engineering's eyes is just the honesty and being able to know where you're at cool uh anything um throughout your time at uh OIT, or, or it may have been just information technology, I guess, at that point. But um, do did you have any projects you want to talk about or speak to anything really cool that you did or learned? Because a, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of our grads who work for OIT uh, do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. So uh, my first project when I got to network engineering, I'd never touched a switch before. Uh, configured 850 ports for the, uh, oh, it used to be, it's where the parking garage used to be, the brand new building by. Oh, student services building. Yeah, student services center. Uh, I set up 
all the ports in that building. That was my very first task. Wow. And so it was just, it was great. And then I went into, you know, the LAN first class and I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about because, you know, <laughs> I had all this experience. Um, but then, you know, I did that for a year and a half, two years, the wired team. And then I transitioned to a different team and I was only on that team for a couple months while, uh, cause one of my bosses retired and then I moved over to the systems team. So, uh, Anton, uh, mm -hmm. is the head of that team and he still is, I believe. Yeah. I think uh, so. so I was able to, well, I supported the Zabbix server, NetDisco, uh, Cacti at that time, okay. which was, yeah, ancient. So, Sorry, go a ahead. A bunch of the operational like tools and, and infrastructure monitoring, things like that. Yes, yes. And then um, also did, you know, just updates on random Linux servers that we had. Um, and, oh, bind. A lot of bind mm. DNS entries. Okay. Um, so that actually, that experience right there got me my first job straight out of college uh, because of my experience with Zavix, my experience with Linux. Um, they really liked it. And I, you know, at that point had two years under my belt part-time mm -hmm. dealing with that, updating systems, that sort of thing. Real world stuff that you could put on your resume that you did as a student worker at SIU. And that's that's huge. And I I mean, it's it's not... It's not the, uh, you know, it's more the the rule rather than the exception that the student work jobs at SIU are are, are reasons people get hired in a lot of cases. Um, so that's pretty cool to hear yet another uh, grad speak to that because I think SIU is I know that SIU is pretty special in in terms of offering uh, you know the 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 responsibility of of technical work, um, to students, um, and, uh, and, and, and then having supervisors who care enough to try to teach and make sure that they learn, um, and not just, you know, do some mindless task. Um, so yeah. And Tom, I really think like your classes also were really just, um, what's class after when, what was that class called business 415? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 415, enterprise 416. Yes. Uh, that is like such great experience. I don't know. Do you still, is that still a class? We've, we've kind of changed things where, where a lot of what we did there moved down to the 335 class. Okay. Okay. So, so moved no, to WAN. Yeah. Well, it's not even a WAN. Or, no, it's a system admin class. Okay. So, okay. so they do, they do a lot of red hat and they're working on doing automation and, um, things, things, things like that. It's, um, yeah. Uh, but but there's still you know big network diagrams on the um, on the, the 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 whiteboard in the classrooms you know for building things uh, across different gotcha. classes we got. But, but yeah, yes, the, those classes fun. were invaluable with my experience. You know, learning learning SE Linux use and you know SE Linux wasn't even a requirement back then. But it was uh, just you know I was using Red Hat. Other people were using Ubuntu. So I got I got shown stuff. Uh, in that class that translated to my first job, like all the SE Linux stuff I did for, uh, I don't even remember what the server was. It was, uh, I think a web, just like, a what was that? 
I can't remember, but you know, I, I used audit to allow in the class just to learn what it was. And then my first job, I used audit to allow like every single week mm -hmm. because, uh, government servers and uh restrictions by the dod va uh mm -hmm. and we applied it to all of our other systems so so let's um, let's talk about that if you're ready you you yeah, yeah. you get your degree um and you were um one of a huge amount of students that uh that that went looking to career starting um in kansas city tell yes. us what that was like um where you ended up working tell us what the recruitment process looked like and 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 how you got to being an employee of Cerner so um at that point I applied to be a system engineer um yeah there was I don't know 15 20 people a ton of people that went and um went to the initial interview and it was just it was very relaxed I talked to three different people. Um, and at this point I was doing a lot of system stuff. I wasn't having very much luck finding like a network engineer, one, a uh, infrastructure engineer, that sort of thing. And I was like, well, I, I like systems a lot. So I'll, I'll do a system engineer. And, you know, I went through the first phase of interviews. They liked what I had to say. And then um, they had, I don't even know probably 800 people once they sent me a job offer and then we had an eight week academy. So there was hundreds of people going for our first onboarding day. Um, so yeah, the interview, sorry, the interviews were very straightforward, very easy, went out there in person. Um, they just asked me what I like to do, what my experience was. And I just kind of talked generally to three different people and uh, two of them were, uh, system engineers themselves and one was a manager so uh he's very relaxed very relaxed very uh easy interview you know sometimes you feel like you're under the microscope and they just wanted to chat they wanted to see what i was about uh and then yeah i got a job offer not even a week later um so once i got the job offer moved out to kansas city uh, went to my orientation. And then at that point, Cerner was hiring hundreds of people. So there's about 800 people in my orientation. And then we split off into groups and I went into a 40, uh, well, I guess 20 people in my classroom for an eight week boot camp into Cerner. Um, and actually I was in the same uh, kind of boot camp with Luke Thomas, uh, another graduate. Mm -hmm. I remember him. And <clears throat> It was, it was a little rough for some people. Uh, you know, what I learned from SIU, I thought it was pretty straightforward. Uh, learned about AIX and HPUX, which I had never touched before, but still pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. um, and at six weeks, we did a speed dating type thing where uh, you talked to 15 different teams, 10 minutes each. And you went around all the tables and you learned about each team. Um, and I really liked it was. Sorry, Tom, it's been a little bit since mm -hmm. I've had to think about the, the name of the department. Uh, Emerging Technology Services, ETS. Okay, ETS. Uh, yep, I know that one. I, I liked 
the two ETS teams that I interviewed, uh, they ranked me one and I ranked them two. Um, and I went on their team and they managed Zavik, Chef, Splunk. Zavik, Chef, Splunk. And uh, they were also part of the federal department. Uh, so I was, I had to get a security clearance. Oh, okay. That took about nine months. Wow. Filled out my SF-86. Um, and it was kind of brutal. Interviewed a lot of people in my life. And that was just for a secret. Uh, and not even, you know, I didn't have to do lie detector or anything like that. But still, they interviewed a lot of people in my family. Had to list mm -hmm. every place I lived in. Uh, yeah. Yep. I've, I'd had somebody, uh, I had an, an investigator here last week at my house to uh, talk about a student, a uh, couple year graduate ago and, uh, some sort of clearance he's working on now. So, so I'm, I'm familiar. And, um, you know, you mentioned the ETS and, um, I heard, uh, you know, I, I Jared, um, Jared was, was one of our, our grads from previous you know, years before you, but he also worked in ETS and started with some of those, same things you're talking about Splunk, Chef, and Zabbix. Uh, um, and, and they were the group that kind of would, would get to play with new types of technology at Cerner because, yes. because, because Cerner is huge, right? There were thousands, a couple thousand people at that time working there. Uh, 32,000 when I was there, there was 5,000 in my building alone, and there's three campuses in Kansas City. Yes. And so the ETS team had the the kind of the charge to play around with new technology in a test environment to see if it might be something that would work for the the broader production environment of the companies because at that point Cerner was was getting to where they were hosting um, as well as just providing the the software solutions weren't they yes yes okay. uh, at that point Cerner was in its heyday it was growing rapidly they just got uh the DOD contract a 10 billion dollar contract and they're yeah, going after yeah. the VA 10 billion dollar contract so uh they were trying to grow as fast as they could and they and they needed to to be able to support that uh those those huge federal contracts yeah um yeah. And I, and I do remember, like we, like I mentioned, and you've mentioned other students that there were just, I, I got to go to Cerner one time for a um, Cerner university or something like that, where they had faculty from the, the schools and colleges that they hired a lot from come and visit and tour campuses and things. And, and we had a little uh, get together um, at the flying saucer. And, and I remember specifically finding think it was 38 SIU alumni um, that were working in Cerner um, that that I'd reached out to. And I think we had like 26 of them come and just say hi. Um, so we had a cool little ISTCS uh, Cerner um, alumni gathering um, when I got there. And there was just, you know, there was just tons of Salukis um, that were that were there. Um, so anything else you want to say about your time at, at Cerner? Um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk about the, uh, large corporation, like the, you know, working for a large corporation, um, you have a lot of benefits right off the bat. Like we had on-site doctors, you know, that we could go get checkups at. They had a cafeteria with five choices. Um, 
you know, decent healthcare coverage because, you know, it's a medical company. And um, they did, you know, quarterly have some beers on Cerner or something. Um, so you get a lot of benefits, um, a lot of benefits with a large company. But, uh, you know, even in my in ETS, I was one of 800 people. I felt like uh, just a little ant, like nobody cares what I do. So people could really get away with not working, uh, not doing anything for very long periods of time. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it, it was nice. You know, I got, I got a lot of benefits. I got some niceties. Um, I never really got to travel. I never really got to, uh, move up the ladder. I felt like I was only there for two years, but I felt, um, the company was a little bit unstable when you have that many people being hired on in a short period of time, which I am glad I left at this point. You know, we, they cut about 20% uh, across the board over a few years, the founders died. So the family wanted to sell as quickly as possible. Um, that sort of thing. I feel like happens all the time in, uh, in these large corporations and especially, you know, uh, um, State Farm just went through the same exact thing. They just uh, yeah. shipped um, like 80% of, oh, what was the department? Like one department, they shipped 80% of it overseas in a week. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it, it happens a lot. And uh, they, they really pull you in and the salaries weren't as great as I thought, you know, at that point, straight out of college, I thought, man, I'm making a lot of money, but <laughs> the salaries really weren't as good as you, as you thought they were. Uh, at that point, it was about 55 to 60,000, uh, as a system engineer, okay. which in a big city. Yeah. In a big city, my wow. rent, elect, my rent was $1,200 a month. Uh, that doesn't include electric internet, water, so, you know, all together about 1600 Okay. Just for my apartment. So um, I learned that wasn't really for me. Um, and I moved. And can we transition to my current job? Let's do it. So you left, you left Cerner, um, became a little, I don't, I don't know, disillusioned, maybe too strong of a word, but you just were ready to, to do something different. The, the, the large corporate work environment was no longer as appealing as it once was. Yes. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> so I moved back home uh, without a job. I had some savings. So I was uh, taking my time and applying for, and at this point, remote positions were uh, pretty rare. You know, trying to find a remote position uh, was hard at that point. The job market was pretty strong. They're just, you know, why so hire it, somebody remote? Was this before COVID-19? Yeah, this was uh, 2019. Okay. Uh, so this before was, all the remote work shift. Yeah, this was May or June of 2019. Okay. Or 2018. Was it 2018 or 20? Probably it's 2019. 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so remote work wasn't as available. I was applying around me around where I lived, but also further away. I actually interviewed at both uh, Illinois State University and um, uh, U of I 
I actually had a job offer from ISU, but I would have had to move, you know, up to ISU. So I was still looking and I got an interview uh, a couple days before I got a job offer from ISU. And that was for a company in my hometown called uh, SSI, Software Solutions Integrated. Mm -hmm. uh, they create, uh, they have created a suite of software. Uh, the bread and butter is accounting for agriculture. Um, okay. So it's an agri, uh, some people call it agritech. We, we do a lot. Um, we do a little bit of everything for ag retailers. Ag retailers are, are the big, um, our big customers. We don't really deal with straight farmers, but we offer accounting software because farming accounting is kind of odd. I don't know if you've had to deal with it ever, but uh, you know, uh, we have one plot of land. Someone pays 20% of the fertilizer cost. Someone paid their 10% of the fertilizer cost with a truck that they traded to someone. So you have to figure out how to... <laughs> put this all in the books and uh especially like farmers work mostly off of credit until they do their harvest so everything is very odd in accounting so all of these ag retailers use our software and then they can get these payments in these uh track all their inventory and that sort of thing so and does it do like field production metrics and and all sorts of things like yeah that? we we have mapping okay we've got we've got mapping um dispatch application um which mapping and application pretty close order ledger vendor customer uh, those are kind of like our modules. Uh, mm -hmm. So customers, just everything about the customer, you see it in a nice view. Uh, mapping is huge. So you can take, um, you can take soil samples, show the soil. And uh, a big thing that we're trying to push is um, application of chemicals uh, Oh my gosh. Sorry, Tom. I'm blinking on a lot of words today. Um, <laughs> applying chemicals, not at a set rate across the whole field, but only putting them in the places that targeted. the field needs them. Yeah. Targeted. So um, it is great because it also helps with like groundwater. It helps the farmer save money um, and then they can get their field the same across the board. And then they won't have to look at, doing uh soil samples for three to five years after that okay and uh, is this something that ties in with some of the um technology on the the tractors and the car combines and, and yes yes okay. so we have we support almost every single tractor and combine uh technology or you know file type john deere my john deere uh i can't remember what the case and the other ones are called but yeah we had to support every single file so it can get a little messy at sometimes because you know, oh, this only happens on this specific file and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. But uh, so a lot of data oh, transformation and those normalization make things be yeah, able to talk yeah. between the different vendors, which I don't have to deal with a ton. Uh, okay. I forgot to tell you, I forgot to say what my uh, job title is. I'm a cloud engineer now. So I went from system engineer to cloud engineer. 
Gotcha. Uh, we are totally in AWS, everything in AWS now. Um, we have nothing on-prem. The company's about 200 people at this point, um, which is, it's grown pretty well. We uh, acquired an energy company in Indiana. So uh, just steady growth every year. We haven't had any, um, you know, any real issues. Uh, Good. And and you're you're kind of based out of an area where where farming is central to the economy and way of life for so many. Yes, yes. So we we deal with um, all the big guys in ag retailing and uh, most ag retailers uh, except Nutrien. Nutrien's so big they have their own software. They keep everything under uh, lock and key. You know, it's it's just there. So Helena is our parent company. It's the number two ag retailer in the U.S. Uh, don't really see it a lot in Illinois. Mostly, uh, they're big in uh, Ohio. But um, we have, I want to say we have 60 to 70 of the top uh, ag retailers on the CropLife Top 100. So very, we have a very big market share because we do everything. Uh, we don't just have... You know, we don't do just accounting. We don't do just mapping. We don't do just inventory. So we cover everything. So people buy our whole suite and stick with us. Um, we're having some pains at the moment. Uh, we originally software was written in 1986 for what was that? Apple II. Okay. And then it was converted to DOS. Okay. And then now uh, all of our databases are still uh, Microsoft SQL Server. So um, trying to get away from that, move to something a little bit better, you know, MySQL, Postgres, whatever, um, you know, has what we need. And um, I'm on the DevOps team as well. So I deal with developers every single day, someone having issues with something. I have the keys to the kingdom. I'm the top level i have access to everything so it's really nice at that uh in that perspective because i can do what i want when i want <laughs> okay and i'm sure there's some checks and balances with with devops and and uh and, and your, whatever methodologies your software people use to make sure that you don't over you know overreach and break everything right yeah yeah which <laughs> it it's nice in AWS, you have an issue. We have, you know, all of our Jenkins pipelines and uh, that sort of thing. So rollback, rollback nowadays is getting easier and easier. Back at Cerner, it was like something breaks, you you kill your server, you uh, swap over to the secondary. But now with, uh, we use a lot of uh, serverless technologies. I, I hate the word, the term serverless technologies because, mm -hmm. you know, there's always something. Right. Uh, so we use API Gateway, Lambda. So if we ever roll out bad code, we roll out code during the day, every day, basically. Um, if you ever roll out code, reverting it back takes like two seconds. Most people don't even notice. Um, cool. Which we do go through checks and balances. You know, we do dev, we have automated QA testing, that sort of thing. But um, it's it's a whole new world compared to the on-prem that I used to do. So it's vastly different. And I imagine it's been a lot of fun um, helping them migrate to this kind of you know shift in 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 IT operations um, and just realizing the benefits um, as that happens has got to be pretty neat. 
Yeah, they started the shift. Uh, well, we started, we had a legacy, which we still support our legacy uh, software or accounting software. And then we shift into, uh, it's called Agvance Sky. It's mm -hmm. our uh, web, um, yeah, our web software. And it's, what, seven years, I want to say. Okay. They've been hitting it hard and we've been hiring a lot of dev teams. So now we have, five different dev teams each focusing on it well six six different dev teams uh supporting a different product that we've been creating and uh even the four years i've been here we have massively changed how we do stuff and we have way less servers that need to be managed i'm still managing i'm the linux guy they always want me to <laughs> fix stuff that happens with linux but um sure we have been shifting away from a lot of servers and looking at um, EKS, Kubernetes, that sort of thing, and shifting workloads um, to something that scales up and down. Uh, even RDS uh, for databases, we have serverless Postgres um, databases that we run that can scale CPU and memory uh, on the fly. So you're taking advantage want. of all the cloud has to offer. Yeah, AWS is a very strong partner with us. They they treat us very well. Uh, they come down about six times a year. So next week, I'm in meetings five days uh, setting up uh, data warehousing, okay. uh, all with AWS. And we don't even have a lot of we don't have a lot of spend in AWS compared to you know some of the giant corporations, but we're always open to taking on betas and uh, kind of doing whatever they want us to do. <laughs> they you know uh, so we have a very good relationship. They're always talking to us. We have direct contacts with our uh, uh, architects in our Slack channel, that sort of thing. So. Um, really have been enjoying what AWS has to offer. Cool. And I know you had said that you um, you you thought maybe some AWS cert certifications are are in your future. Um, but but you're kind of in a role where you're you're already the AWS guru. So certifications may not mean a whole lot. Maybe are yeah. they more just kind of things you'd like to have just as an accomplishment? Yeah. Well um so let me go back to the difference between kind of a large corporation and a small company. Um, off the bat, Cerner looked like it had a lot to offer, a lot of like, you know, amenities. You've got on-site food and the doctors are right there. You can just walk down to the doctor. Uh, small corporations have it in a different style. I, I wasn't blown away by like um, what the company first had to show me. So, um, sorry, what was your question again? I'm going off rails. Um, I don't remember exactly what the, sorry. Question okay. Was. I'll just keep going. Um, the, oh, oh I was mentioning about the certs oh, and how you certs. don't necessarily yeah. need them because you're, you already have that job. Yeah. So at, at one point I was against certs for everything and, um, you know, I was like, why do I need a cert? I have the job. I know that I can do it. Um, the small corporation or small companies kind of have different incentives. Um, 
they're currently talking about giving you a bonus for every cert that you have related to your job, that sort of thing. Um, we, I was also able to go to AWS reInvent uh, for a whole week and you know, fully paid by the company. And if you go and you have a cert, you get special amenities there. So uh, it's not that I really need it. It's just I get some incentives when I do have it. So um, it's, yeah, it is nice. And, you know, a small company too, I, uh, it's a lot more relaxed. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just... I'm kind of enjoying it a lot more. We we go down and play ping pong and like Cerner, they had ping pong tables, but nobody would touch it because it was in a glass room and you didn't want anybody to see you playing ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> because, so, because you may not be good? No, just because you never know if a director's going to come by and be like, who's that playing ping pong? They're playing too um, much. They're hogging the table. Yeah. But yeah, so I never, I was never thinking of getting certs, but now I am, uh, you know, the incentives are nice. Um, yeah. I never cool. got an A plus. I never got my CCNA. I never got the network plus security plus anything like that. I have zero certs right now and none at all. And you've done just fine. Yeah. Um, the, um, you know, you, you, the, the small, the small medium business size um, definitely, you know, um, has a lot of, of neat things about it because you, you can oftentimes find yourself being exposed to more um, technology that you get to play around with. And if you're a technologist who likes to learn and keep kind of messing with the newest stuff, um, you may be discouraged from doing that at your big corporate job because you only have these two things in front of you, then that's all you do. Um, and then, uh, being able to, you know, to kind of, uh, recommend and help steer the company in a technolo technological direction, um, yeah. helps happens a lot more freely in a, you know, a, a smaller medium sized company. So, so I'm glad you've had this opportunity and, and I can tell, you know, the, just the lifestyle, um, of being back home in a small town and your family, I'm sure is probably still around there. Yeah. Um, so you've got, you know, grandparents available to babysit your kids and go to work two minutes from your house and no traffic and things like that. It's pretty, yeah. pretty good, um, quality of life. And I, and I definitely, I definitely can relate to that. And I know for a fact that my in-laws are eight minutes exactly, uh, from home. If I need to drop a kid off, uh, <laughs> school is kids. School is six. My job's 12. So yeah. You know, being in a small town, there's there's something to be said about uh, about that for for certain. And what you said about you know, I I have a voice at a small company. What I my opinion matters, and we get to you know, I get to shape the company to what, what I want. Um, yeah. And you know, if we make good decisions. We, we also have a profit sharing. So however, if the company does well, I do well, um, which is fantastic. And, you know, it's, uh, that sort of thing makes me care a lot more for the work and, sure. uh, my work-life balance is a lot better than I thought it would ever be. Do you, did, did your family or your wife family, do you have any connection to farming? Uh, my family did farm um, uh, in the 60s. 
Okay. But the government came and uh, bought all the land out. And where the lake is now, that's where my family farmed. So okay. um haven't farmed for a while. And uh, my wife's family doesn't farm at all. But, uh, you know, it's kind of always been around me, 4-H yeah. fairs, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, and I guess if we didn't specifically say, you know, the, the product that your company does is ultimately there to help farmers succeed in in a whole bunch of different areas by being able to better track and better manage and and better propose how they may may do their their agriculture yeah um, and so, so so ultimately you're you're helping the industry and you're 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 helping um farmers to to grow food for the world because realistically food grown in this area uh and all over the united states makes it to other countries yeah. So we, and like I said earlier, we don't really sell directly to the farmer, but we do have software that the farmers use. We have uh, something called Grower 360. Everything has a 360. I don't like it, but um, <laughs> um, they can look at their current balance. They can look at their order status. They can look at, the farmer can look at whatever they need from their ag retailer. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. And it's, and even like the mapping, they can look at, uh, routes that need to be like they can set routes that need to be driven uh or you know where to what field entrance to use so the the farmers do use our software we have about i want to say thirty thousand users farmers you know co-ops that sort of thing that have Mm -hmm. active users in that grow 360 um app so you know they're not using our accounting software directly they're not using our analytics directly but they do have views into what they need. Cool. Very good. David, do you have any questions for Cameron before we go through our fun last five questions? Oh, I'm doing all right right now. Thanks. Okay. All right, Cameron, do you have any last uh, advice for students who are preparing to enter the career field or, or who are still, you know, in their last year or so of school? get as many internships as possible. It's uh, very valuable. You know, I was lucky to work at the campus for four years, um, but I know people that got two or three internships and had guaranteed jobs at any pick of their, you know, at a few different companies right after college. Yep. There is something to be said about that for sure. All right. We've got five fun questions to wrap up the, uh, the episode of the Tell Me About Your Tech Job podcast. So, Cameron, are you ready? Yeah. What is your favorite kind of food? Uh, do you have a specific cuisine you like most, or are there a restaurant that you enjoy? Uh, um, I probably have to go with like Sichuan Chinese, um, hot oh. pot, uh, very flavorful, like uh, dumplings, you know, just, just uh, it has a lot more spice than most uh, Americanized Chinese food. So, it's usually people that come straight from that region. Okay. And is there a particular restaurant up where you're at that you closest one is a hour and a half away from me and it's, it's real rough. Um, okay. and that's in Bloomington normal. What about Hunan when you lived down here? <sighs> did you ever go there? I, yeah, I did, but I think Thai taste was my favorite. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, uh, really any type of Asian food is Indian, Chinese, um, Japanese, that sort of thing. 
sounds delicious. I'm going to have to get some food after we wrap this up. Um, are there any books, movies, TV shows, podcasts that you enjoy recently or would like to recommend? It can be tech. It doesn't have to be tech. Anything you've found cool you'd like to share? I'll, I'll do one tech one and one non-tech. So the tech one, uh, Ghost in the Wires by um, Kevin Mitnick. Yeah, Kevin Mitnick. One of my favorite reads, uh, you know, a little bit embellished, but pretty accurate to true life. Okay. Uh, and the and the non-tech one, it's uh, Wool Omnibus. They just came out with a TV show called uh, Silo. So uh, just S-I-L-O. Yeah, yeah. the what? The book title is called Wool Omnibus, and it's very confusing. So, <laughs> yeah. What kind of thing is this? Um, basically, apocalypse. They're in a silo, and uh, you are trying to learn about like what happened outside, like what's okay. going on. Why are they in the silo? So okay. Uh, is there an area of technology that you're interested in learning more about for personal or work? Um, I mean, the cloud, probably the cloud stuff. I've really just been diving headfirst into it. And uh, um, yeah, just just kind of cloud in general. I've I've been wanting to set some stuff up locally at home because uh if you set it up right the prices can be relatively cheap okay very good uh if you could retire today do anything you want money's no object what would it be uh probably start a startup i'm not sure what for but uh chatted with some friends in the past about uh you know someone wins the lottery make a startup and try to create a product because basically all of my friends have some tech knowledge and uh you know either as a developer or uh you know sys admin that sort of thing so so form a super team and 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 then decide what to do from there yes yes exactly all right and if you um what would you like to be doing in five to ten years um I'm currently trying to transition into management. I uh, have really enjoyed being technical, but I'm hoping to uh, lead my own team and be kind of a hybrid, have a very have a small team so that I can still stay uh, technical as well. Cool. Well, that's all I have. Um, thank you. You have any last things to say? No, I think I think I've kind of babbled on enough. <laughs> All right. Cameron, it was great to talk to you. Like I said, uh, former student, um, somebody um, that I always thought was going to do cool stuff. Uh, your brother as well. Um, I really, really like being able to catch up with, with, with you folks who've you know spent time with me in the classroom and, and now get to see what cool things you're doing and, and having this, um, this venue uh, for the, the students in the summer class, I think is awesome. And, and then whoever else wants to listen to the podcast out in the world, um, they get to hear a little bit about your life and what you've done, how you've become successful. So I think that's great. And I, and again, congratulate you on your success, the, the, the wife and, and little girl and the future, future little baby girl coming up here soon. So congratulations. I appreciate your time today and, uh, and, and thanks again. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for inviting me. It was really fun.